Welcome back to the Preacher's Podcast for the fifth Sunday in Lent in year A. We are continuing with our series called Our Greatest Needs, identifying the greatest needs that we have and seeing how our Savior meets those needs. So today we are looking at our greatest need, life for the dead. Uh, I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, moderating once again. And with us for this series, Pastor Joel Heckendorf from Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in Reno, Nevada, and Pastor John Sharp from Abiding Grace Lutheran Church in Covington, Georgia. And with us today, as he has been throughout this series, Pastor Joel Russo from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Uh, Joel Heckendorf, explain for us how this week's theme fits into the series we're in, Our Greatest Needs, or say some words about uh, the theme of the week, if you would. Sure. Thanks, John. I, you know, I think this text has multiple facets, and I, I believe, at least personally, I often focus on the, the second half of this text uh, that focuses on our relationship that we have through the Spirit, you know, that we're able to call God Abba and so on and so forth. Uh, but there's an amazing truth outlined, especially in the first verse that we can focus on and, and really hits this theme hard, namely that the same Spirit who raised Jesus to life uh, will also raise our bodies to life. Ultimately, that is that is then our greatest need, uh, life for the dead. Thank you. Yeah, and I should mention, I probably should have said this leading off, but Romans 8, 11 to 19 is what we're going to be focusing on today. But guys probably are looking at that on their screens as they look at the worship plans. But um, yeah, I would agree with you, Joel, that um, I've usually given attention in this text to the, the latter part or the middle part of this section. Um, but yeah, the, the lectionary is suggesting we don't ignore that physical life giving property of the spirit also uh, as we talk about this section. Um, but uh, let me not get into that too much because John Scharf is next. And John, could you uh, relate this section that we're going to be thinking about today to the other readings for the day, the first reading and the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as we think about that theme, that one of the greatest needs is life for the dead, I think these readings do a fantastic job. First of all, showing us the pain and reality of death. You know, in the first reading, the, this faithful, barren woman is given a gift she couldn't even bring herself to ask for, a son. And then as she's getting used to this blessing, suddenly his head hurts. And, well, she had to experience watching him die cradled in her lap. I mean, you, you can feel that, that pain. And then in the gospel, Mary and Martha lost their brother. Jesus lost his friend. There was reason for tears. Death wrecks what we place such value in. But then in each reading, God demonstrates his power over death. God gives physical life to the dead. And in so doing, we see faith strengthened and our eternal life guaranteed. I mean, we'll talk more about this in that second reading where you, know, you mentioned that first verse that really sets up, to, we have eternity coming. And so that affects our, our life living now. Uh, you know, Paul tells us we have that same confidence uh, because we have the spirit living in us, guaranteeing that, that we too have eternal glory coming. And that allows us to deal with all our present sufferings, even death. And then our Psalm today gives us the chance to sing the truth that even in the depths we wait for God in hope, and in him is complete redemption. Right, and yeah, it makes me think of, uh, just talking about this in class the other day, redemption 
in the dual sense. We have redemption now, of course, through Jesus completely, but Jesus also talks about our redemption drawing nigh when he comes again. So the, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting, uh, the fullness of redemption in that sense yet to come. So we wait with longing, uh, as the psalm reminds us. Well, let's get into our text then for today. Romans 8, verses 11 through 19. Uh, Joel Russo, could you just get us thinking about this text, uh, highlight a few things, and then we'll uh, just go around and uh, discuss some things that might be helpful to preachers. Yeah, the, the text actually kind of picks up mid-thought. Uh, so it may be just good, I, and maybe this is just good in any epistle preaching to go back and figure out where, where did the thought begin, because a lot of the clauses just build off of what Paul said previously. Um, I have in mind that in verse 12, like when he says, Araun, um, that's not the first time he's used that in recent chapters. Uh, you can go back to 725. Um, so he's making conclusions based on what he says. So the question is, how far back do you go? <laughs> uh, certainly you have the, the baptismal preaching in chapter six. You have the struggle of the sinful life in chapter seven. Then you have the launch into chapter eight of the no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, certainly our, our text here, though, not only talks about our present lives, but as John Scharf pointed out, uh, we have that glory to come. Uh, so just to give a, a forest before the trees, um, the text as a whole, uh, the spirit, um, and that, that word, that name is, is peppered throughout the text of the spirit's testimony and the spirit's witnessing. Uh, the spirit, in verse 11, witnesses to the, the resurrection of the body. And we have that comfort of, of life over death. Uh, then verses 12 through 17, and Joel Hagendorf talked about this. A lot of times we think of this in our, our spiritual lives. Uh, but you think of how does the resurrection impact our life right now? Um, maybe one place that you can kind of jump in and apply that a little bit more is um, I'm going looking at here in verse uh, 15 uh, that we have not received a, you know, that, that, uh, that spirit of, of, or that attitude uh, for fear, uh, but we have that, that spirit or attitude of adoption um, that it, it hearkened in my own mind, the words of like a Hebrews two, of how the devil loves to hold the fear of death over us. And, and we don't have that, that, that slavery to fear when it comes to death. And, and we can live as the people of God we are. Uh, just a, a clear, beautiful uh, gospel verse connected to the spirit, I think is, uh, let me find it here. Um, the spirit testifies, verse 16, uh, the spirit testifies that we are God's children. And that, that familial language or that, that um, sonship language, adoption language is just all throughout uh, that paragraph in particular, verses uh, 12 through 17. But then in the final paragraph or the, of this text, at least, uh, verses 18 and 19, the spirit reminds us we're not in heaven yet, uh, that we're going to go through these, these hardships. But uh, the word I just kind of jumped in on myself was oxia in verse 18. Uh, that's kind of like weighing two things and comparing it. And so you say, well, I, I can look at the hardships I have now, but none of it, uh, as I weigh that, it, it doesn't compare to the glory that awaits. And, and so certainly there's a tone of encouragement all throughout the text because of the Spirit's testimony. Right. The Spirit testifying about uh, the present reality of our sonship, the Spirit testifying about the future reality we have yet to experience. Um, 
yeah, Joel and John, um, would you like to add anything to that? Just things that jump out at you as you go through this text, um, things that are your attention is kind of drawn to as you think about preaching this? John? Yeah, I think that uh, I just love the absolute confidence we can take from this. You know, in, in 18, our present sufferings, we see those things and we know those things. And he says, it's nothing. And, and here's how certain you can be. You know, the, the spirit testifies. So, you know, if we have the spirit, you start with that, that conditional at the beginning of the, of the, of the section that isn't really a conditional, right? You know, I think back to what Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if I'm saying Jesus is Lord, and I think all of my hearers, I've heard them say that, right? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. So if I'm saying that, um, well, that means that I'm God's child. Then if I'm a child, then I'm an heir and uh, an heir of, of everything good God has for me and, and co-heirs with Christ, God's son that we saw rise from the dead that we, we know is, is on the throne uh, at the right hand of the father. Uh, and, and even the comfort of, well, sure, I have sufferings now. I'm sharing uh, with him, with my brother, with, with the one I am co-heir with. Um, that's how certain my glory is. You know, just that absolute certainty. Um, if I'm saying Jesus is Lord, that means I have the spirit. And of course I am saying that. So all of this is lockstep that, that absolute peace and comfort our hearers can take, we can take. Yeah. I think that, um, that pattern you see in verse 11, it's there in verse 10 also, mm -hmm. um, and nine before that. Yeah. If, the spirit of him is living in you and he is, is the implication, then this is true. Um, and before that, if, if, if it's, if Christ is in you implied and he is, therefore this is true, uh, for you also, but right. Not, not uncertainty, but just stating, uh, since this is true, this is also true. Right. Um, but yeah, thanks for pointing out that, that connection, the, the one who took on flesh and became one of us, um, we're joined to him, right? As we uh, live, as we die, as we live again. Um, anything else you want to point out that jumps out at you, Joel Heckendorf? I think something that jumps out at me is just the spectrum, the wide spectrum of our spiritual and physical lives and, and the effects of sin and the, the victory of salvation that you know, you look at verse 19 and we, we bring creation into the mix now as being affected by sin as well. Not just us, but, you know, the, the total uh, effect of sin on this world and our suffer our personal sufferings. But then you, you go back to that beginning verse, which is takes you to the whole other end of the spectrum. And, you know, it, it does get in, in, this is probably an application point more than just looking at the text. But it does get into the uh, the Apostles' Creed, and and I look for the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. That I, I remember sitting in a chapel, one of those evening chapels at Sam, and I think it was an evening chapel. And Professor Brug uh, started off his illustration. He said, "What is your goal in life?" And he just let us stew on that for a little bit, and he, and then he said, "If if heaven is your goal, you're wrong." Because there's something more. There's a resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. It's not just a spiritual aspect 
that, hey, when I when my sufferings end here, um, I'm in heaven. But it's there's even something more beyond that. The spectrum continues to go out to the resurrection of the body and the life for the world to come. And so I, I just see that breadth of, of both aspects here, the effects of sin, but also the accomplishments of our Savior and the Spirit. Right, right. Yeah, I think we use the term heaven as kind of a way of speaking uh, sometimes of the whole package, right, including the new creation. But that's right. right. That's a good point. You know, we don't want heaven to become this, um, the word I've heard is etherealized thing, where it's just sort of this immaterial. Um, no, uh, verses 18 and 19 lead us to remember that, uh, no, it's a, it's a new material creation that we're looking forward to. Um, something concrete, not just kind of a, a gauzy idea that that we can ponder. Um, it's a reality that is coming that we'll be able to touch and feel. Um, well, let's get into kind of a um, law and gospel in this text. How would you go about bringing out the different themes that are here, um, highlighting uh, the effects of sin that this text refers to or brings out, um, specific gospel pictures or images that the text brings out? I mean, I think there are a number of choices here. What, what are you focusing on as you think about preaching this text? Um, who wants to go first? Uh, John? Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think the, the picture of life versus death kind of covers all the way through this. Um, you know, we're living in a world that's struggling with death, um, but the whole point of it is that we've got something better and our mindset should be on that and living uh, as children of, of God and, and all of that. Why would we want to live just focusing on this dying world when, when we know what comes after that? Um, in uh, Luther's comments on Romans 8 here, uh, he makes the comparison to the builder who only looks at the, the joints and angles and material, never thinks about what the house is eventually going to be. He's just looking at the, the, the act of construction, his craftsmanship, and he says, that guy's a fool. Uh, he's not going to produce anything that matters or is usable. If we live just looking at the here and now and not at what's coming, you know, we're looking at at the joints and joists, the walls and sockets. It, whatever we do, it, it's not toward a good purpose. It, it, it's not uh, um, keeping the bigger picture in mind. And then you throw Paul's discussion of the misdeeds of the body in there too. You know, when we aren't focusing on what everything really is all about, we convince ourselves. Uh, to do the sins the world thinks is just fine because, well, no harm, no foul. Um, just looking at the here and now, not looking at God. So I think for me, it's kind of the, the mindset. Where am I focusing and how is that determining my actions? Am I looking at the death or looking at the life? Good thoughts. That's uh, Joel or Joel. Uh, would you like to, to add to that? Joel Russo? Yeah, I, I think John said a lot of what I was thinking too. Um, I picked up on the witness language of the text and just it's a very similar thought to John's, but, you know, who are we listening to? Who, who is the witness for us when it comes to facing the troubles and hardships in this world, when it comes to our uh, philosophy for living, when it comes to dying? Are we listening to the witness of the spirit or is it to something else? And um, so often we let our, our eyes do the talking rather than our ears attuned to the word of God. Yeah. 
for sure, for sure. Uh, so getting it into uh, the malady as sort of the mindset um, that focuses on death instead of life, uh, a myopic focus on on you know losing the big picture, things like that. Um, gospel pictures that you would use to address that. I mean, obviously, the counterpart to death is the life the spirit gives, but ways you're thinking about bringing out um, in uh, text-specific ways the, those gospel themes, um, what are some ideas that you're working with at this stage? John? Sure. Um, the, I think the, the big thing that jumps out at me the spirit makes us children of God, which means we are heirs with his glory coming because he suffered for us, right? He did the suffering and yeah, we get to share in it, but he suffered for us. And so we have this absolute certainty of who we really are. Um, you know, looking at the stuff that goes wrong in life might try to get us to question that, but here's the absolute comfortable truth, comforting truth. Um, no, I'm actually a child of God. I'm his heir. I'm co-heir with Christ. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, really keying off of the, the reality of our sonship, our uh, status as children, what that means here, what that means in the life to come. Um, great. Yeah. This section is one of the, the classic sections in all of scripture, right, to really bring those themes out and put them together in this way. Uh, Joel or Joel, other ideas for uh, gospel focus or, or pictures or images? Uh, Joel Russo? I don't know if I'd make it the, the main focus, but there's a neat word, word picture in verse 19 of the apokara dokia. Um, and you have uh, the, the dokia part, kind of the thinking, and kara, I believe, is head. I, I had in my notes somewhere along the ways, I put uh, the idea of creation is, is like craning its neck. So like you're lifting your head up in anticipation or, or you're on your tiptoes. And now I know that's talking about creation, but but I thought, man, this is a, a neat text to build the anticipation of the believer in what is to come. Um, as, as John was just talking about, you know, you get that big picture of, um, I think a lot of times I can fall into this and we can all fall into this of woe is us and life is so miserable, but we have this anticipation um, that, that we crane our necks with creation for what is to be, knowing who we are right now. Um, so I, there may be a word picture to play off of there, but maybe not the main focus. Joel Heckendorf? Yeah, I think one of the challenges with comparing the glory that comes with the, you know, it's, it's not worth comparing to our, our present sufferings is, is you also want to be sensitive to the present sufferings of our people and not downplay them and say, oh, you know, that's just a, you just got a little owie, no big deal. Um, maybe, maybe we do spend time on really admitting and talking about how tough sufferings are because the bigger we make the sufferings, the bigger the glory is. And, and so I, I think there's that. Yeah. I, I just would be cautious about that as I go through say, Oh, don't worry about your marriage. Don't worry about your, your sick little boy, or don't worry about this problem because it's nothing compared to what Jesus gives. I, I think that might, yeah, I, I would rather spend time maybe building their sufferings up for a while and then come with say, and now as horrible or as big as that is in your life, yeah. the glory is that much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, talking about suffering in a 
pastorally sensitive way, um, acknowledging the reality of that. Uh, but right, I mean, this is, I think you're exactly right, Joel, that uh, as we highlight the intensity of suffering, uh, Paul says, now imagine that intensity, but just multiplied more. And that's the glory that is awaiting for us, uh, that is uh, awaiting us um, in the life to come. So, right. So addressing um, and not not pulling punches on the suffering that's there, not minimizing it in any way, because that's Paul's whole point. The greater the suffering, the greater the glory that is to come. Right. Um, other uh, themes you would draw out here um, in the text that that you're thinking about. Um, I'm kind of hearing from you guys that uh, maybe as a, a purpose of the sermon, um, opening listeners' eyes to the reality of the Spirit's work right now, uh, the reality of the Spirit's work yet to come in the resurrection and the new creation, um, having that kind of alter our mindset here and now as we crane our necks and look forward to what is to come, yeah, building that anticipation of what is to come, um, even in the midst of suffering, maybe especially in the midst of suffering. Uh, other ideas for illustrations, applications maybe that you're working with or thinking about? Joel Heckendorf? Just looking at some of the ways that I've preached it on the past is um, I used once upon a time that, that picture of uh, President Kennedy sitting at his Oval Office desk and then his his kid playing underneath the desk. I don't know if you've ever seen that somewhat iconic uh, picture. And and just talk that that would be more focusing on the relationship, maybe not so much the life, but that, you know, what other kid can just walk into the Oval Office and and play underneath the president's desk. Um, but unless you can call the president daddy and not Mr. President. And so that, that made, if I, I don't think I'm going to focus on that because of the, the focus on the, the more the, uh, the eternal life versus death. But if I would focus on the, the spirit filled life for the advantages of having a relationship, I, I may utilize that or either, whether it's that illustration or, or any other you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know um, type of illustration advantages that, that we have because we're able to call Abba Father. Right. And one leads to the other, right? The relationship uh, with God as our Father leads to the glory and the resurrection that is to come. They're kind of all wrapped in one. Joel Russo? I, I was just going to say, and I, I think that plays in well with what you were saying before, Joel, of we don't want to minimize people's sufferings. And you have that word in verse, what is it, 15, that we can cry out to our Father. And, you know, what are the things we cry out? Yeah, we cry out in joy for what awaits, but we also cry out in pain right now. And we have a Father who's not just like, oh, well, just wait, it'll get better. Uh, but we do have comfort right now. So I think, yeah, you could bring that in very well, that picture of Kennedy, and, and use that as a reminder. We have someone to cry out to and who hears and comforts us. Uh, theme ideas. Um, this is, I think we're seeing some main themes emerge here, uh, throughout our discussion. Um, but, uh, again, one of maybe one of the challenges in, in narrowing down a theme is there's just so much, uh, to, to work with in the text and so many beautiful images to key off of, um, any ideas that, 
you have used in the past or you're thinking about uh, this time through as you approach the text again? Suggestions for preachers? John? When I was thinking of going into this discussion, although a couple of things that were just said are, are making me wonder if I might twist it a little bit, but uh, focusing on that, that mindset, you know, living the life mindset, um, you know, the, the spirit testifies to, to it, so we have reason for it. Uh, the results give reason. You know, if I'm, there's where that, that Luther stuff would come in, you know, if, if I'm, uh, what's my goal? Uh, if flesh is the goal, well, flesh dies. If spirit, well, that, that's life. And, and eternity seals the deal because of who I am, uh, heir of eternal life. It's not even worth comparing. Um, so yeah, let's live that, that life mindset. Life mindset and all that goes with that, all that wraps into that, right? Other ideas as you kind of uh, put forward a main theme or a main idea, Joel Heckendorf? Yeah, I mean, I, there's maybe a warning of ever using a question as a, uh, as a theme. But, um, you know, I was kind of toying with the idea of why do I want a spirit-controlled life? Uh, you know, that doesn't appeal to my sinful nature. And so it almost comes across as I want to convince you why this is good. And, and I think that's maybe a, a struggle for our people sitting there. That why, why do I want the spirit to be calling the shots? And then, you know, kind of have those two parts. He puts me in a relationship uh, with with my heavenly father or with our God. And then he brings life to our mortal bodies. Uh, you know, we kind of be the, the double aspect, but to show, to show that it's like, like, Oh, woe is me because now I have to say no to the flesh. No, you want to say no to the flesh because look at what you have. So why do I want a spirit controlled life? Yeah. Yeah. I think questions can be good as themes. Uh, well, first of all, provided you answer the question right from, from the text, of course. Uh, but but no, they can be useful in kind of modeling uh, some reflection, um, you know, as you kind of wrestle with that question throughout the sermon and then listen to the word here for answers to it. But yeah, that would be a neat way of approaching it. Just put the question out there. Spirit-filled life, why? Okay, we've got it. Why do we really want it? What are the benefits of it? Um, and then listen, as Paul just brings out these astounding things, you know, the, the relationship we have with the Father through the Spirit, the resurrection we're looking for through the Spirit, uh, the connection with Christ, um, comfort and suffering, all those things, right? Yeah, so that could be very effective, pondering that question and, and uh, listening to the answers that God gives through the text here. Um, any other possibilities? I'll open it up to any any further illustrations um just to get the juices flowing for preachers illustrations theme ideas one thing we mentioned just before we started recording here too is that um you know verse 11 is probably the the reason why we have the resurrection of the body under the third article um in the creed um it talks about uh, the spirit's work in physical resurrection too, or the involvement in that. So um, I don't know if that probably not a main point you bring out in the sermon, but it might be something to refer to um, because often it, it is, um, it's not the spirit we think of first as we think of resurrection. Uh, but here the connection is, is made pretty explicit for us. Uh, other illustrations, applications, theme ideas, Anything else that might be useful for preachers? 
right? Not hearing any, that's okay. A lot of, a lot of deep thought going on here. Uh, but um, yeah, I would just encourage preachers to dive into the text, um, make use of the, the powerful images that are there as you walk through, because um, there's, there's so many and they're so vivid whether it's the, the Abba Father connection or the um, future glory outweighing present sufferings connection or the spirit raising our mortal bodies and giving life to our mortal bodies and giving us life spiritually too through this connection. Um, yeah, just a general encouragement uh, to tap into these vivid pictures that are there in the text. Joel Heckendorf? I think it might also be an opportunity, while baptism is not talked about specifically in this text, there might be an opportunity to highlight uh, that relationship that we have with baptism, or even that I share in Christ's sufferings to tie it back to Romans 6, that I was there on the cross, mm -hmm. too. And um, yeah, it might be an opportunity to bring in that sacrament. Yeah, I was thinking of that, too. I mean, with uh, some of the comments you guys have made earlier, um, you know, Romans 8, is in the shadow still of Romans 6 and the great baptism section. Uh, and you see a lot of similar themes, yeah, or when John was talking about being joined to Christ um, in suffering and in resurrection too. I mean, that's echoes of Romans 6 there. So that might be a great way to, to bring in the comfort of baptism. Yeah, and of course, the Abba-Father relationship brought about by the Spirit. All right. Well, good. I think we've given preachers a lot to think about, a lot to chew on in this beautiful text. So uh, God bless you, preachers, as you go about proclaiming the grace of the one who brings life to the dead.